1: From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' When Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. <laughs> revenge Avengers coming.
1: This is my town. Right. You know, check just, out. So, I would love you, to do a James Bond I'll,
0: podcast I'll do it, it right then. now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a
1: <laughs> <laughs> What about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women?
0: <laughs> to Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? Is going to end the podcast? Because this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hello, I'm Mike Field. Uh, yeah, you were yeah ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah. <laughs> got you. Got you. <laughs> all right. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted up against a tentpole film, or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio's schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. This is Forgotten Cinema.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? Nothing, nothing. You nice. know, I just had a really good roast beef sandwich. Uh, nice, you a, did. A, I got a St. Patrick's Day coffee in the middle of summer. You did, you did. Very nice, very <laughs>
0: nice. Uh, the Dubliner creamer, whatever it was called. I don't know. I don't know what it was called. Okay. I don't know. But anyway,
1: so this is uh, episode
0: two of season nine, our forgotten summer season, where we are highlighting summer films, as I just said in my opening. And today we are doing the movie Open Range. Mike,
1: what is Open Range about? A former gunslinger is forced to take up arms again. When he and his cattle crew are threatened by a corrupt lawman. Uh, I'm only doing the short one because the long one is makes no sense. And was is that in the short version, that what you just said, or that was- <laughs> That is also, that you just said, don't read the longer version. Well, all right then. Excellent. <laughs>
0: Excellent. That was a nice, tidy, brief- uh summary synopsis yeah, yeah sure you know, we'll get into it so open range is a runtime of 139 minutes it's rated R production budget of 22 million dollars it was released on Friday August 15th 2003 so 17 uh, 18 years ago well uh, closer to 17 opening weekend 14 million domestic 58 worldwide 68 so a modest hit, a modest, uh, you know. Sounds like the world really loves Kevin Costner. Uh, he's pretty good. <laughs> my mother doesn't like him because I guess he cheated on his wife once. So, you know, she he's blackballed forever. No, that's For what happens. Mother. Production company, uh, there's three of them. Touchstone Pictures, Beacon Communications, and TIG Productions, which is... Costner's production company, and Tig is named after who, But a uh, Butler? His grandma. His grandma, and the dog in this movie's name named Tig, and there's another Tig reference, which we'll get to. Uh, distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, which is Disney, basically. So I told you it came out on the 15th, that same day you had Freddy vs. Jason, uh, <laughs> Grind, a limited release, American Splendor, and Butler, the uh, nemesis of the show, Uptown Girls. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Did you see Freddy vs. Jason in the theater? I don't remember. I have seen Freddy vs. Jason well at yeah. least twice, but I don't remember that was, if I, me- I saw it. In the do you theater. remember how remember that hype for that? Remember how big that was? Like, oh my god, they're gonna be in the same movie together? Oh yeah, it was, it was yeah. huge. Yeah. I still really like it. It's not as good as it could have been, but it's got some good moments. With well, they the have the face when they have at yeah. the, the
0: end, the basically the end when they that's actually what you're waiting for, off, for the whole yeah. time. And they actually play it off well because they do have that wide shot where they're both on both sides of the screen. It's almost like <laughs> it's like they did this. You know, having, you know, different IPs, different characters in the same movie
1: before, like, anything you saw in Marvel, which is funny. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a little sad they didn't do the sequel to Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, yeah? Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, because they couldn't get the rights. That would have been good. That would have been really good. That would have been good.
0: All right, you had the week after, well, you had the 20th, of which was the Wednesday, after the 15th, you had a limited release, 13, But then on the 22nd, which is the Friday, you had the Medallion, the Jackie Chan movie, My Boss's Daughter, and Marcy X. A lot of these movies will sound familiar if you listen to our Uptown Girls episode because we already covered them. And you also had a limited release, The Battle of Shaker Heights. And that was the first film in the Project Greenlight show they did on HBO with uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. The week before August 8th, you had SWAT, which I actually like SWAT. I think it gets a bum rap. The Colin Do people Frey not role. like it? I thought it was okay. I, I wasn't in remember, love with it, but I, I, like I don't it. remember a lot of people like saying like, "Oh, it's pretty good." But when I watch it on Stars or HBO or whatever, I'm, I'm into it. It's a solid flick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you also had a limited release of the divorce. But though that Wednesday, the sixth, you had Freaky Friday, the remake of Freaky Friday, which is actually not that bad. All right, so you had direct this movie was directed by Kevin Costner. I think it's one of three he's done he did it is dances with the wolves which he won an oscar for mm-hmm. and the
1: postman which he did not win an oscar for but the postman gets a bad rep because it's not as bad as people think I honestly, it's long honestly i've only seen bits and pieces of and i know it everyone I, remembers i hear the, everybody says how
0: bad it is so i don't watch it it's not that bad it's just it's long and it's it's no different than any other costner epic he makes right. he does long movies yeah this is not a long movie though This is the
1: shortest of his three. Yeah,
0: but it's over two hours. Yeah,
1: but it's only 2... 2.19. 2.19, yeah. Yeah. That's nothing compared to three-something.
0: True, true. Uh, Written by Craig Storper, who uh, did the TV miniseries In the West. He's also done an ABC after-school special, High School Narc, and The Truth About Alex, another TV movie. So this is... He doesn't really have a lot of credits in terms of feature films. Uh, It's based on a novel written by Lorraine Payne. I might have said that name wrong. Uh, He passed away in 2001. Lorraine? Laran? Oh, maybe that's yeah. Because I'm thinking of Laura. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he's got he's done some books. Uh, he's got over a thousand books. He's really popular in the United Kingdom, even though he writes about American, the American West. And he was a popular, I guess, a lot of the books uh, Costner read when he was younger. Interesting. Uh, but he had a book called A uh, Lawman that was made into a movie called The Quiet Gun as well. So this is the second book that was made into a movie. Cinematography by J. Michael Moreau. He did uh, Roll Bounce, The Last Mimsy, and Billionaire's Boys Club, uh, amongst other things. Composer was Michael Kamen. Uh, Michael Kamen passed away in 2003. Actually, he passed away, I believe, before this movie came out, I I, want to say. So uh, he has won an Oscar for Don Juan DeMarco and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but they were for songs. He wrote the songs. And then he also has composed Band of Brothers TV show, The Iron Giant, and All the Diehards. Uh, Band of Brothers TV show is a great theme song. Band of Brothers is a great show. It is, absolutely. Well, many stories. What's up? Mini-series. Uh, correct. I apologize. Mini-series. Limited series. That's not what I would call that. I still have to watch the Pacific. Pacific is good. Pacific, probably, see the same thing. Pacific, uh, it's not as good as Band of Brothers, but that doesn't mean it's not good. It's still good. Right. Yeah. I've, no. I've wanted to watch it. Yeah. Uh You had two editors, Michael Duffy, who did Stargate, Johnny Mnemonic, and London <laughs> Has Fallen. And then Miklos Wright, who- <laughs> Does some TV show called For All Mankind, which I'm trying to get Butler to watch. Uh he also did Mr. Get Brooks. There, I'll get there. He also did Mr. <laughs> Brooks, which we did, which we did an episode of season six. six. Yeah. The season after season for five. For yeah, them. yeah. Yeah. He also has done some episodes for the Outlander TV show and the TV show Iron Fist. You can skip Iron Fist. <laughs> uh produced by Costner, uh Jake Eberts, and David Valdez. Uh Costner has produced, I try to find movies that Costner produced that he did wasn't in, but I'll only found one, which is Rapa Nui. Was he in Rapa Nui? No, he wasn't. Uh, he just yeah. produced it. He's also produced Swing Vote and The Highwayman. He's produced a lot of his movies. Jake Ebert's uh, produced Super Mario Brothers Butler. He's <laughs> un- He has an uncredited production, uh, uh, producing credit for Escape from New York and Chariots of Fire. He has like, several uncredited ones that are like big movies. Uh, David Rodgers has won, actually won an Oscar for uh, The Green Mile, which he produced. And then he did Book of Eli, Unforgiven, and he, the upcoming Avatar 2. All right. So it's thought a. Huge cast. Uh, you, Robert Duvall as Boss Spearman or Blue Bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done a movie with Duvall yet, I don't believe. Have we not? No, because I don't, I don't remember- think any of them are forgotten. This is true. Well, he won an Oscar for Tender Mercies, but he also has been nominated for an Oscar for the following films. The Judge, A Civil Action, The Apostle, The Great Santini, Apocalypse Now, and The Godfather. Uh, so if you do not know who Robert Duvall is or you have not followed his career, uh, I would suggest you do that because he is uh, a, Le- quite a fine actor. Legendary, I would say. Do you think he's legendary? I think you would list him as a legendary The fact actor. that he is still working and he is pushing 90 right now is uh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Kevin Costner is Charlie Waite or Charlie Pasta Wait, as as Bucket Mount Spearman uh, <laughs> uh, reveals to his, uh, his betrothed. Uh, he's uh, obviously the TV show... Uh, Yellowstone. He's also in the recent movie, Let Him Go. He's Filled the Dreams, Wyatt Earp. I would assume a lot of people know what Kevin Costner is. Annette Benning as Sue Barlow. She was nominated for an Oscar for, she's nominated for four Oscars, which I did not know. Kids Are All Right, yep. Being Julia, American Beauty, and The Grifter. She's also in The American President, which I love. Uh, Michael Gambon as Denton Baxter, the bad guy. He is uh, in Sleepy Hollow. He's also Dumbledore from Harry Potter after Richard Harris passed away. And he's in The King's Speech. Michael Jeter, that's who I was thinking. Michael Jeter passed away the same year before this movie yes, came out. Yes, the movie, I think, was
1: dedicated to him at the very end. It was. Yeah. It was.
0: Uh, he plays Percy. He was in Wonder... Uh, excuse me. He was in Waterworld, Miller's Crossing, Jurassic Park 3, and the TV show Evening Shade. He's also Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle, for all those people out there who like uh, Sesame <laughs> Street. Uh, Diego Luna as Button. He's in Rogue One, uh, E2 Mama Tambien. Did you ever see E2 Mama Tambien? Oh, he is in that, isn't he? he? That's, what, okay. that's the movie yeah. that him and uh, uh, Gail Garcia... Uh, what's his last name? That 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 movie launched them. I remember when that movie came out; it was a huge. It was like oh, who are these guys? And they from there they were just off everywhere. Right. Uh, he's also in Milk, and he's in the upcoming TV show Andor, which is from his character that he plays in Rogue One. For all those uh, Disney Plus fans out there,
1: don't get too attached to him. <laughs> oh, from, oh, come on, man! <laughs>
0: don't say that. Spoilers. <laughs> James Russo as Sheriff Pool. He's in Django Unchained, My Own Private Idaho, and Donnie Brasco. He's more of a. He plays usually a, like a, a bad guy, bad, tough guy kind of thing. And he's a bad guy in this. Abraham Ruby as Moe's. Everyone's going to know him as Jerry from
1: ER. Yep. <laughs> he's also in the program <laughs> in the Belco experiment. It was the first thing I said when yeah. I was I was like, Jerry. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Did he die in ER?
1: Yeah, I believe he does die toward at, the end in, of the the ER. last season? Yeah. He's in like
0: 175 episodes. He doesn't, does he die the same way Rocket Romano
1: dies with the crash of the- um The helicopter? Yeah. No, um, He might die during the first helicopter crash. Or no 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 no. The fact
0: that there's more than one.
1: <laughs> well, there's not two helicopter crashes. Right. The other guy gets his hand chopped off in a blade, but it didn't crash. It was but, just something But wrong Romano
0: around. gets then killed. he gets
1: killed in the crash. Oh, then god there's god. a crash. Who it knows. falls on him. I don't yeah. think Jerry gets killed in either of those. Okay. He gets killed a different way. Oh my god! The fact that all these people are dying off in ER goes to, toward the later seasons. Ridiculous stuff started happening yeah. to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, that'll be for the uh, ER
0: podcast. Uh, tam- <laughs> De- Dean McDermott
1: at Doc Barlow. He's from the TV show Due South and Earth Final Conflict TV show. You watched that, Earth Final Conflict? I watched some of Earth Final Conflict. It was like Gene Roddenberry saw V and wanted to redo it. Oh, he did that? You're Earth Final yeah. Conflict was a Gene Roddenberry production. It was it was based on spec scripts that he had. I thought he only did Star Trek stuff. No, because he also wrote Andromeda. Okay, which his son I think took and made into a show as well. That's Sorbo's one. So okay. he had a bunch of scripts that he never even sent to people that he just had. Right, kind of like Michael Crichton's books are still coming out because they're just like, yeah, it's twenty pages. We can make this into a book. Oh, I hate that. I hate when they like they they find manuscripts. It's like, listen, they weren't ready. Don't we don't need it. You're just
0: t- you're. you're that that kind of throws a pale on their legacy. I think when you take
1: stuff that was not meant to be seen because it was not ready, and you try to you you know what I mean, you try to put it out there. I think it's fun to see ideas that they never maybe they would have released if they didn't have time. But well, they I put don't them like in an unpublished book thing. I yeah I don't agree with putting their name like the one about the archaeologist that came out, which I do want to get mm-hmm. um, for it was paleontologist for Michael Crichton. I want to get and read that, but I'd rather it not say Michael Crichton on the top. I'd rather it have the other author's name and say based on a. An idea I, by my. That's Krayton. fine. And make it your own. Yeah. No, that's fine. The same with the pirate one that came out. Although I believe he was almost done with that. I book. don't know. I didn't read that. Uh, the Crane's books towards the end or as he was moving on, I
0: wasn't really into I, like Airframe, like that stuff like that. Ray is it, good. It, uh, yeah. My favorite Crane book is In Case of Need. And he wrote that when he was still a under, doctor. He was still a doctor yeah. and was under a pseudonym because I believe it was about abortion in the seventies, it was. That's when he wrote it, and it was during like obviously that was a hot button thing. You didn't want to get, I guess, tagged with that. But that's one of my favorite Crichton books, and they've never done that. I, mean, I don't know. I don't Think you could beat Jurassic Park and Jurassic World? But now I'm talking about hit books. Not Jurassic Park's very tech, very techy The book, the book is very. Oh, that's what techie. I love about
1: the book. Yeah. See know
0: but see the second the the second book is. There's more action in the second book that I wish they used in the movie, but... The second book should have just been the straight-up movie. But Spielberg's not going to do that. He's going to do his movie, what he wants to do.
1: Yeah, but even the first... Well, we're getting off topic. But even we are. Through, I don't know what the hell we're Even the first now. movie is closer to the story of the first book, whereas the second movie was just like, thanks, Michael. Oh, there's another island? That's all we need. Yeah, but the
0: second book's got that awesome scene when it, the guy's in the high hide and it's rolling down, and the raptor's oh. trying to
1: get at him. That's a great scene, and they don't use it. Well, it's got the scene where Sarah Harding's Escaping the Velociraptors in the tall grass and it turns into a bone yard for yes, yeah, And they're falling on the ribs and she's going down. They the kinda spine.
0: use they kinda use the tall grass scene though a little bit. They do, bit. but then it
1: goes into the house yeah, instead right. of this awesome. Well, not the house. Boneyard. They go to
0: the other uh, the other it's not, it's not a, yeah. It's well, like well a house visiting leads, center.
1: Doesn't the house lead to the shack? Where well, the sh- she does the It's all together. All the and shack goes. goes the yeah. Oh, thing, yeah. That, that's yeah right but they
0: also to be fair in lost world they also i also like the double wide scene i think that scene's really good with the uh, tension when the when they the rexes are t- attacking the, the double wide and the trailers oh going yeah oh inside. that yeah, seems yeah. amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got some good stuff all right so like we're not talking about that movie we're talking about open range <laughs> and my last one is kim Coates as butler who shows up towards the end and i love the way he dies uh, spoiler <laughs> But this is my other Tig reference. He plays actually a character named Tig from the TV show Sons of Anarchy. So if he looks familiar, he's from Sons of Anarchy. He's also in The Last Boy Scout. All right. So Butler, I do have a couple other facts in terms of uh, – Well, uh I mean, we can get into it as we move forward. Okay. I do know that Anthony Hopkins is a big fan of this movie. Yeah, he wrote fan letters he to did. him. He did. He wrote fan letters to Duval and Costner about how much he liked this movie. I will say this right off the bat, that I – I had liked it. I liked this movie when I first seen it. I really liked it. I actually like it even more the second time I have seen this movie. Uh, so I don't know. I'm curious what you think, uh, or I guess I guess how you've come to this movie in terms of like when
1: you first watched it, or well, when I first watched it, it was when it came out. Okay. so I was fifteen, sixteen. So obviously, I was waiting for the action to happen, the okay. shootout. Yeah. So watching it a little older, I appreciate. I think the performances more and i appreciate, i definitely appreciate the i would say i appreciate the cinematography more but that's one of the things i remember about this movie the most other than the shootout is how well shot this movie is from being both really ugly when like the rain starts going and the the town is flooded to being really beautiful when you see the hillsides and the town from a distance and and when the light is on everything it's a really picturesque beautifully shot movie but i think i appreciate it even more now i appreciate the performance is more now. I appreciate even the gunfight more now than I did, I think, back then.
0: Right. There's a lot of great lines in this movie. There the, are. the writing in this movie is fantastic. And just to kind of toss some facts in there. Uh, so that they built that town from scratch and it's it was $1 million to build that town from scratch. And they actually had to spend $40,000 to build a road to get to the location because it was so remote. Now this was shot in Canada, uh, so that's probably why it's a little bit more remote. Uh, but also, and to your point about the flooding, They used 32,000 gallons of water for the flood and they actually had underground pipes that recycled the water and brought it back to the thing. So it was just keep, it was the same water, which I thought was really, really cool and smart as heck, probably saved you a lot of money. Oh yeah. I I would assume so. Uh, But yeah, I, to your point about how it looks and, and Costner is a, I, my personal opinion, and maybe I'm wrong but Costner has a very classic film style. Lots of wide shots, lots of dollies, lots of pans. There's a great shot. There's a couple of really cool shots. One of the shots in particular that I keep thinking of is the shot with a dog that's at the tree. So when they're going to town, the dog is sitting in the trees in the background. He's in the dogs in the foreground the, the pans up. And then when they come back, it pans down to find the dog again, The dog runs out to get them. Like that's a, that's a classic, classic film shot that, I probably didn't catch when I first watched it, but when I was watching it now. I was just like, oh, that's a really nice shot. And there are really nice shots. When they're out in the field and they're out in the open and the range and stuff like that, you can't help but get a nice shot because it's just a great locale.
1: Well, it's also just be- beautifully, not just that the setting is nice, mm-hmm. but the way it's set up, the the mm-hmm. angles of the shot, the way the hillside is almost just off perfect diagonal as you see the green rolling hill come down with the blue sky. So it's almost like a diagonal 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Really looks like a, a painting. Mm-hmm. And you can't just shoot that. That's got to be framed and and positioned with the perfect amount of trees on that hillside. Mm-hmm. Like the, when that opens, I'm like, yes, this is why I remember really liking this movie when I watched it.
0: And w- in terms of the classic staying on the classic filmmaking motif, you also have a classic format in terms of the script where you have an inciting incident that starts off a chain of events. So these guys are free grazers. They are, they're moving their cattle from one place to another and, and they let the cattle free graze and, uh, Michael Gambon's character Denton Baxter. Did I say Baxter? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Denton Baxter don't like free grazers, and he and they they because th- they're eating off their land, and it's like you know blah blah blah, right? You know? And uh, so they send Mose into town to just go get some stuff, and Mose never comes back. And they find out you had a little fight and crap kicked out of him, and they are just basically like, listen, that guy, this guy kicked the crap out of our our guy, and yeah, they were gonna straight up leave, but they knew that they weren't. They knew even when like Boss Spearman is in. The, Jail. the sheriff's j- office, he 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 even references how, you know, he wanted us to see how the sheriff, was, he ran the sheriff, and he let the sheriff talk and he didn't talk when he wanted to. And then he threatened us and all that stuff. And he knew that they were going to come after him. So it's just one incident that sets off this chain of events. And what I love about the ending, what I love about this whole movie is that I, while, yes, their lives were threatened. Yes, they, they were in danger. It was when he tells you throw it on your guns and charlie waits like i wait doing that we throw it on our guns that's it it's over right like they never any intention of stopping they never had any intention of not seeing this through like there was no ever doubt that like oh my god what are we gonna do it was always just like this is happening yeah and when i was watching this movie i put it on our instagram story costner is one of my favorite lines in the movie when he he's he's got a couple lines when um Spearman, because they don't know each other. Their friends been friends for 10 years. He's always worked for them. He's respecting them. They but, don't tell uh, each
1: other about their past.
0: Right. But you get the idea that wait, I, I has a past. And he, he kind of reveals it. But he tells them when Spearman's like, you know, we're going to be doing some stuff. People are going to die. He's like, I got no problem with killing boss. Never have. And it's like, yeah. that scene right there, you're just like, oh, okay. Like, you know you want to go into battle with him because you know he's a hard ass. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a lot of, like you said, like the the, the fight at the end is fantastic. It's great. Uh, but there's a lot of great lines and great moments in the movie leading up to that, that just keeps you in and keeps you engaged and makes you root
1: for these guys towards the end. Men are going to die here today, Sue. Yeah. And I'm going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that? He's just like, yeah. I'm like, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I I really like the line in the beginning when he tells Button, he's like, man, stress is a valuable thing. You don't want to lose it over a card game. Like that stuff. Right. Like just, It's just you know
1: trying to teach him. What it is to be a man, what it is to be a a upstanding man. Then two days later, Costner kicks him into the river. Yeah, (laughs) shouldn't have cheated at cards. (laughs) (laughs) But I I apologize. We ain't over it. (laughs) Which kind of is like foreshadows. You know, he doesn't let a grudge go. Right toward the end of the film as well. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as I love to hear you talk about how much uh, you like this movie, well, I do a lot of the talking. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to make some money. Okay, from me. Uh, you got some money? No. Well, then let's talk to our sponsors. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year we have all been glued to our devices. Now more than ever, I know I have been because all I do is stare at the computer screen. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built from our digital age and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep or kids glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters,
1: and we know that you will feel the difference. So, one thing I noticed about this film, that I'm not a hundred percent on because I can't find any facts about it. I think this almost exact town is rebuilt in the red dead redemption two game okay. is one of the towns right. it's from that from the docks house off right off the town right to the way the town is set up in the mud and where all the stores are right it is pretty much it's almost shot for shot exactly the open range town they might
0: have used it as an yeah I, I wonder yeah. if they
1: really like the movie too because obviously they pull from a lot of westerns in that game mm-hmm. i wonder if they took this town and what this would be a good first town when to did that visit. game come out um uh, maybe three years ago now Four years
0: ago? Oh, you're talking about the recent, the right new there. one, number two. Uh, yeah. Okay, because uh, one of my notes is that so the gunfight at the end is was choreographed by computer-generated models. So they actually choreographed the entire gunfight. I saw it. So yeah. I don't know if that maybe whoever was involved with that was like, hey, let's hold on to this. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you know what I mean? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I there's I. There's two parts of the gunfight that I like. If you want to get into it, the gunfight, yeah, sure, is the opening when he's like, "You're the one that when he
1: kills Butler." Y- yeah, the whole they're building up Butler the entire movie. I love it. Yeah, he's the he's the fastest arm. He fought for the they don't say what side he fought for. They just say that they fought on opposite sides. Oh, well, probably the wrong one, probably. <laughs> uh, but they're talking about oh yeah, you see, Mo's broke uh, broke his arm. Yeah, he broke it in two places. I heard it snap. Yeah. And then they talk about how he's the fastest gun. They constantly talk about it. And then you finally see him. And, he's and like he walks in like yeah. a big bad in the sheriff's office. Yeah. And he's like, I love his line where he's, he's just laughing at how bad that Marshall's running things. To Baxter's face. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, just get him up. <laughs> Looks like there's going to be a new marshal in town. <laughs> <laughs> and the marshal's like, shh. <laughs> uh but when kevin yeah kevin you killed i killed most so i killed that boy too i liked it he just shoots him right in the head he's just like for the, that's how the fight starts right. yeah what's great because
0: denton is a hard is comes tries to come off as like he's, he's a hard ass he's no you're not going to get to him but it's clear that he's not prepared for the fight like he is not prepared for someone to stand up to him like this oh for
1: sure yeah, yeah. he's had his goons and he's he's yeah. weakened the people yeah. and beat them down so yeah you so you know that and i love when he kills <laughs>
0: baller when he <laughs> kills <fair>. Butler, <laughs> and then when sue is taken by the guy and he and the, the whole town's got the gun and he comes from the back and he's just like looking he's sizing him up and he moves around he just hits him once he's like oh and then he just unloads, unloads. into him Almost like don't take that
1: girl, like you know, like oh, I love that. He unloads I'm- into a lot. There's a lot of, I would say probably realistic gunfire in this, although, which is why I got the Kevin Costner thinks this is why I got the rated R rating, because the gun violence is very like oof and the and stuff. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like that it's not like a one shot kill kind of a deal. Yeah. They're yeah. not like modern bullets. These they're are not. These are smaller caliber. Holy crap! They're going to eat you up inside bullets and yeah. that's why they unload and it's just like ah oh, every time he kills somebody it's very rare for a bullet to go through you uh
0: at this time right, right? Yeah, you you know cuz they're not strong enough the gun's not powerful enough the gun, it's you know like that kind of thing you know, yep. absolutely you have to put like he puts that one guy down in the beginning
1: behind the barn, he's got to put like six, seven shots into him. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. The guy in the background, the townspeople are killing at the end. They shoot him like eight times. Yeah. (laughs) And they got, because most of it's also a buckshot for birds and stuff. They're not like four people. Yeah. That's what a lot of people don't understand, which I think they, they showcase really well when you're watching News of the World, a more modern Western Yeah. You know, Tom Hanks character only has the scatter gun. Scatter gun. You put the the, gun, the coins in it. Yeah. Ain't gonna do nothing to a person. Yeah. So well, a that's lot what, of these town yeah. people have these kind of guns.
0: And that's what Spearman says to him when he's gonna he was gonna end it. He's gonna you know, he can't get through that door. He's like, it's well, I'm gonna get scatter guns gonna, you know, clear that Just out. Blow the lock blow off. Blow the yeah. locks off and I wanna bust in. Yeah, I that's the other another thing with this movie is how really good Costner and uh, Duvall are together. In terms of just, right, yeah. and I don't know whether if they were not if they were friends or that it's just two consummate professionals or just two guys that just understand that what they're doing. But they were this movie's not going to, and we say this all the time, but this movie's not going to work without the two of them being as great as they are to the point as like this is Duvall's movie. It's not cost.
1: I mean, do you? I mean, do you think it's do you think it's Costner's movie? Even though he gets the girl, I think it's Costner's movie in terms of our focus is mostly on Costner, but right. in terms of. We're viewing the story through the eyes, kind of, of Duvall, I, I feel. He's the one that incites the action. He's the one with the plan. He's the one that has, until the end, the most dialogue. Kevin Costner doesn't have many lines until about an hour into the movie. Right. Because it's, yes, boss. It's not until he starts disagreeing with maybe the way uh, Spearman's going to handle the, the plan of killing and stuff that he finally, like, because- I never... I never spoke up to you before. I never questioned a decision you made, but this is how it needs to be done.
0: Well, that's the thing. That's Charlie's, talk. that's Charlie's, that's Charlie's
1: expertise. Like yeah.
0: he purposely, you get the idea that he purposely took the job with boss Spearman to run free grazing cattle because he wanted to get away from that life. And, and yeah. Yeah, he, but, but that's his, like, I love when he gives him the idea about, I say, we go on up to the sheriff's office and, and go in the sheriff's station and get in there because that's not all protected. The men are, yeah, all the men and, in the barn. And he doesn't want to do that. Spearman doesn't want to do that. But then later on, he's like, I heard me an idea that I liked. And he's like, all right, well, let's go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> stuff like, that. like they fight, but they're not they're not fighting. They're agreeing kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I I really think
1: their performances are really, really good in this movie. Well, to that point that you're talking about, it's Duvall's movie. Uh, originally, they were going to put Costner's top billing mm-hmm. and Costner, who – could have absolutely just accepted top billing. He's the director. He's starring in it. He said, no, put Duval as the top billing for this movie. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. Would you say that Charlie Wade knew
0: that this was all going to end with them all dead when he saw that the dog was dead, when they shot the dog? Do you think that that point, because he sees Moses' body. Right. And then he turns and he sees the dog dead. And he's just like, you just see him like,
1: like just get... I think that's when he's like, all right, now it's, now it's personal. Yeah. You don't shoot the dog. Like the other two could have guns and defend themselves. Right. You shot the dog because you want to start something. Yeah. So I think it's a, yeah, that's him going, all right. Uh, we got to do more killing, (laughs) (laughs) which I like because why don't you kill that dog? Uh, Seriously, you saw the dog and you're like, what? why? Why? Fine. Yeah. Just all die. Which Kevin Costner found that scene hard to do because I guess he really likes dogs. Yeah. Well, I would understand that. Yeah. I mean. Hey, I made this model of a dead floppy dog. You got to carry for like probably two <laughs> hours. Do you think it
0: was a model? You think it was just kind of like a fake dog?
1: Oh, it was too floppy to be yeah. a real dog. I I can't see a real dog going. All right, now make your body limp. How do you train that?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know.
1: <laughs> was that the limp sound you made? That's that's limp sound. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. I there's little details in the movie that I like too, especially like when they are in the beginning and they're under the tent and it's pouring out mm-hmm. and they built that trench around the tent so that they
1: can sit there. Oh, yep. And it's just the range water just going into the trench. I thought I was like, wow, I didn't even think of that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of small details like that. I love, I love the general store. I love all the details in the general store. I love all the different items and I love that. And, and this is like only one of the first movies I've seen. They actually use it is the the catalog. Yep. Every general store in the old West and throughout most of the country had a catalog because they didn't have storerooms or big stock rooms. You ordered something. They sent out the mail. They got it. You picked it up from the general store. Right. But you don't ever see that in movies. And then when I saw Costner going through it, when I was younger, I didn't know as much about the West. And then as I'm, I'm watching him now, he's going through the, ca- the catalog. I'm like, oh, finally, someone's <laughs> using the old catalogs. <laughs> like that was a big deal back then. And no one's shown it until like now, I think. Right. Right. What did you think
0: of Annette Bening in the movie? Or that character, not just Annette Bening, but the character of Sue Barlow and Doc Barlow and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I well, guess, that's the thing. I it's mean, like they're
0: there, but like you're
1: you're in this movie for Costner and Duvall. Like they are chewing every scene. I get why she's in there. I get why they had that storyline, and I get that they need the doctor because you got to have that button, you know, on the verge of life or death. Right. But I found the romance stuff a little not forced. It wasn't terrible. But it didn't need to be there. Like he just kind of falls in love with her, but he knows nothing about her. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. And then he's like, We're going to marry you. I'm going to marry you. I've only known you for two days. And <laughs> Most of it wasn't great. <laughs> but that's what they did back. But that's, <laughs> I, I, you get know what that. I mean? You it found someone like-
0: you really like. You were, it wasn't about, it It really wasn't about courting and dating. It was about, you know, I found someone to make my wife. And that's probably why you had a lot of, Let's you know. Let's go. Bad marriages or something like that. Yeah, then,
1: you know, uh, absolutely. I mean, it uh, bad marriage. I like how it ends. How's this going to work if you don't do what I tell you? Uh, that's that's, that's, the last a joke, though. that's a joke. That's that's. I a, know it's yeah. played as a joke, but in real life, that would be the, <laughs> back then. That would be the question. Just her. <laughs> her credits
0: roll. We're like, what happened? So you being the actor, the character, the actor that D. McDermott
1: that played Doc Barlow. Did you hear how he how he got the part? He got the part because he was the only actor to actually audition with the lip. But like, was the limp in the movie or did he just make, did he do that on his own? Well, he limps in the movie. What okay. do you mean? Like in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he like did his research and actually did it. Or if they say, oh, your character is going to have a limp. Or maybe he, and just, showed it, just, he just showed up. He just said, well, he could have been like, well, I'm a I doctor like that. because I used to be somebody Someone out. in the I in right. the war. i Right. Repaired people. That's right. what I figured his limp was from. But I like that he had the limp. Yeah, I do uh, like. Do you that.
0: like that? That's how he got the part. Like, I do like too. They, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And I know that the guy
0: that got the—I didn't reference the actor, but the actor that played the person who owns the General Store did a videotape audition. And he knew he was going to. Yeah, know, and Costner that. knew that he was like he nailed it. He's like he's got it. Like it. That's just that's. I think that's Costner as an actor knowing what he wants and knowing how to see you know the work talent right. Thing. You know
1: what I mean? As an actor himself, right? It's probably I, easier, yeah. yeah.
0: I you know I, I wonder if it's it, it must be very easy uh, for other actors to work for somebody who is familiar with that side of the business as a director.
1: Well, we say that, but then we talk about Warren Beatty and know, his I know ninety hour takes. Yeah, well, that, Jack that's Nicholson true. even breaking down. That's Just true. Tell me what you want, and I fucking do it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I think I think it still kind of depends. I mm-hmm. think maybe some director actors who become directors can take it for granted mm-hmm. and be. Like I could do it. So now you can do it kind of a thing. Yeah. But no, I think, I think Costner is probably pretty laid back in terms of how he before, like, as long as you put in the work in, yeah, you put the work in rather than as long as you put the work in. So was there anything in this movie that maybe you didn't like, or you didn't,
0: you said something, you mentioned something about, uh, what, what did you just say before? oh I said the romance was right. a little like, which maybe that's, maybe we can dive into that a little bit more. Uh, you know, is it there because, it's it's you know you have a female character that that's you know
1: is for one of the leads kind of thing. It's yeah, in the book probably. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's in the book. Um, it works in terms of like old. It does work in terms of if you're trying to hearken back to classic uh, romantic westerns. Sure. I get that. And I think this movie in some way does, mm-hmm. you know, you get those romantic shots in the beginning and, and the way they have the score, the score is very romantic and a, a beautiful score, mm-hmm. but it really kind of contrasts against the horrible violence you see toward the end. Well, before we get into the, before we get into that, uh, in terms of the
0: Sue Barlow character, I should say this, that Michael Kamen, who was the composer, replaced Basil Polidorus Mm -hmm. as a composer. It doesn't say why, but he replaced him. Polidorus has done, or if I'm saying that name wrong, I apologize, has done uh, Robocop and Humphrey October, to name a few. So it's not like, I don't know why they replaced him, Mm -hmm. but back to Sue Barlow. She has that moment at the end where she slaps the sheriff and she calls him a coward or you've always been a degenerate or a coward. I can't remember the name of you. And he's just like, that's the way it is, which I thought was a nice was a nice response. It's interesting. He goes, I know I am. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Right. You know, but so that's like in that moment, you get the idea a little bit about Sue Barlow's position within the community because. Right. Obviously, the people in the town have probably courted her. Obviously, you know the sheriff has probably courted her. Said she's been waiting a long time. She's mm-hmm. been disappointed a lot of times, right? So I think there is her story is probably off the page now. I don't think you can put it in here because it's not really her story. It's Spearman and Wait, and it's just it's almost like it's almost like this is the end of the Denton Baxter story arc. The, in terms of oh, his, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we have missed out on all the stuff that led up to him having this much
1: control over town. But yet also the townspeople hating him this much.
0: Right. Exactly. So, yeah.
1: Which I kind of enjoy that. I mean, it's similar to... I thought that part was similar to Arango, which mm-hmm. is similar to, I guess, a lot of Westerns, is this... You come into town, and there's this big man in town kind of taking the law to his own hand because you're at a point in time where, like they say in open range, you call the marshals, like the actual marshals, the federal marshals, it's going to take, what, three, four weeks for them to actually get anywhere. Right, right. So... You know, it's the townspeople against this person that has great control over the land. But see, in Rango, and I can't believe
0: you're making me reference Rango. <laughs> for range. It's really kind That's of taking right. me off now. But the, I guess Rango's love interest, the other, I can't remember her name. I the cannot, female character, I like, can't remember her. Name. She has more. She has more stuff going on. Like she's actually a part of the revolution, if you would. She's
1: more in town, and I think right. that might also be a problem because, like in Rango, the love interest, like you say, it's also a very similar character. Someone who's in, in turn to the town, someone who's respected. Um, which again, these are like archetypes. So That's, yeah, why, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm referencing Rango because Rango is supposed to be a conglomeration. Of I, got of you, I got you. I got you. So we, that's the last time we talk about Rango. So <laughs> she, I think the issue with Sue then maybe is that she's separated from the town so much. She's stuck in that house that's you know it's up on the hill, a quarter mile away from the town. Right. So she's never in the thick of it like all the other characters. And maybe that has something to do with it. But nobody in the town. See, it takes it takes two guys. It Takes weight. And spearmen
0: mm-hmm. who get ticked off by Baxter, telling them that they can't do what they want to do, and and they are respectable, and they're just like, listen, that's fine, we'll move on. And they they were they try to jump the gun to get him, then they killed their right. friend. I'm like, all right, that's it, fine. You know, you know what, you asked for this. It takes these two guys to liberate this town, but nobody in the town, even though they say like, oh, we don't like him, we don't like him, we don't, right. they never go up to him and say like, we need your help. They never say like, listen, this 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 is what this guy does. And we need you to stop him. No one ever does that in the town.
1: Well, I think a lot of the town is run by his money. Like but, the bartender is, he owns runs, the bar. He, owns the bar. When he shoots the he shoots the sign. Yeah. He asked you twice. He ain't gonna ask again. I yeah. love
0: that. When he, you know, I love when he throws the hits, him in the, bug and hits yeah. him in the head. Wait, the character of Charlie Waite is so good in this movie that I almost want to see him in something else. Like I really like kind of like in lockout, we talk about the character is so good that you want to see. Yeah, You just, it's such a good character. And uh, I mean, I think it gets overlooked in terms of Costner's pantheon of characters,
1: right? But it's a character that's up there. It's so good. Well, we talk about it a lot. It's really interesting when you have a character, like we talked about in the shadow episode, it's really interesting when you have a character that's got a backstory where He's got this, he was the bad guy and now he's trying to either atone for it or hide from it and, and do right by it. And that's the whole thing about Charlie is Charlie was in the war, did a whole bunch of killing, but he had a bad upbringing, but he also worked for a man like, but then he he went on to go. There was a lot of, a lot of room for killing. So I was hired by men just like Baxter and he was basically Butler. He was that guy. Um, And now he's trying to get away from that. And I don't want to go back
0: to that. I want to see his, I want to see his, like, I know, like, this is the, it's almost like this is the end of his arc, because you had the idea that he, him and Sue are going to get married, he's going to live in town,
1: Spearman's going to run the bars. Yeah, they're going to go go somewhere, sell the cattle and come back.
0: Right. But I almost want to see his, his, um, I guess his, not turnaround, but his... Redemption, yeah, his redemption arc a little bit
1: more. I want to see more stories with him. I think that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what takes somebody, what takes a man who's basically Butler, right, and uh, what he saw that maybe had him kill whoever his boss was, like you, and and right. leave to become a, a cattle like, rancher. I can sit
0: here man. and be like, you know, he's still probably tortured by like certain memories, and maybe one memory still tortures him, and then maybe an old face shows up in town and causes trouble, and he, you know, like stuff like that. Right, like, yeah. Like I think you can do it, but. You know, we probably already have seen that movie uh, a dozen times. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm sure we've already seen that story play out. Right. But I just think that the way character is really good. I really was more the, – the the main things that popped up from this movie that I really appreciated more was the gunfight. Yes, the gunfight at the end is is still fantastic. The fact that they shoot it all in wide shots. The classic film style. I'm a classic film style kind of guy, so I love the classic shots. I love the acting. I love especially Costner and Duval. I think they're both great. There's some fantastic lines in this movie. There's not a lot in this movie that I don't like. No. I can understand if you say, like, oh, I don't dig that, I don't do that. That's fine. The Sue Barlow character, yes, I think that maybe that but you know, fleshing her character out more creates a different movie. And I don't know what that movie would be. I don't know how you flesh her out within what we have what we
1: have on screen right now. Like I said, I think you can put her in the town more. Yeah. But I think by fleshing out Sue's character more it becomes a much longer movie agreed because it takes a long time to get to the inc- not maybe not the inciting incident but you get a lot of character building in this movie before we get to it takes so We're its, gonna go it against takes its Baxter. Time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you don't get an opening scene with Baxter like murdering somebody. This is my town. Exactly. You
1: know, which like is surprising because Michael Gambon's a pretty big actor, but he doesn't really have much to do in this film.
0: True. True. Maybe. Maybe this is more of it, while it is plot driven, but maybe it's more of a character piece between the two leads. You know, or, or Waits' character. They definitely because yeah. I mean
1: the film is if it was other actors or lesser actors. This would be a very boring film for the first half. Right, right. But they really carry the film because, like I said, there's not a lot of dialogue. Right. Especially in the beginning. It's all in what's maybe not said. So this is this movie is obviously a part of the Forgotten Summer
0: season. Right. So it came out in August. Do you think it had a good release? And now this movie made money. Uh, you know, it, it did almost double its budget domestically. Do you think it should have been released in the summer? No. Okay. So what type of year what time of year do you think this is probably best?
1: This is a November, December movie. Okay. This is this is a and I did this get recognition at the Oscars? Uh, I've got no Oscar Yeah, I don't think so. Here. I think this would have gotten more recognition if it was released at a later time. I think Duvall is absolutely fantastic in this film, and I don't understand how he wasn't given more accolades for his work in the film. Other than I mean, if Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins wrote me a letter saying how much he loved my <laughs> performance in the film, that would be Better than an Oscar for me, but for somebody like Duvall and Costner, I feel like they're kind of, they were kind of robbed of maybe more accolades for this film. So well, I think this film is fantastic. Uh, Diego Luna got nominated for an MTV Movie Award. Come on.
0: Really? For, for this? Yeah. For Button? Uh, it says MTV Movie Awards Mexico. So maybe there's a separate award for, uh, for Mexico. MTV has a Mexico Movie Award program. I don't know.
1: They couldn't find a better role he doesn't have. He's <laughs> unconscious for almost all the movie. So... um so you yeah I mean do you th- of the two characters do you think Duval would have been nominated? Yeah I mean I like Castner in this a lot and he's got some great lines and he's 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 fantastic in this movie but this like we said this is really Duval's movie he's got some amazing lines he kind of carries the movie. Okay, would he get nominated? Well, because I'm going to give you who was nominated for which okay, category. Yeah, but me.
0: would you? he'd be. Would uh, he be lead or uh, support? That's what I'm asking. You would it be. Well, he's top billing, so he'd probably be. Active. He would have to be lead. Okay. So he. So so he would have. So these are the five that were nominated for best actor that year. Okay. Well, it's the 2004, but it's for the 2003 movie. Right. So Sean Penn for Mystic River, who won. Mm, yeah. Johnny Depp for Pirates of the Caribbean. There you go, right there. Ben Kingsley, House of Sand and Fog. Jude Law for Cold Mountain, and Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. Uh, there's like, there's like, you could have gotten, he could have, he's better than Depp. I know Depp got
1: it because this Cap Jack Sparrow. It's for the first one. Black I mean, Crystal, Black Pearl. Yeah. Okay. But come on. He created that character. I mean, that is, okay, that is, fine. there's a lot of acting talent within that character. You could go, oh, it's a silly, stupid, but, but big blockbuster action. Okay. Movie. So then wh- but wh- that's a who character. are you taking off then? Um, well, I do like Cold Mountain. Right. I would take off Jude Law. Okay. I would not, as much as I don't like Sean Penn as maybe like a person. Sean Penn's fantastic. Uh, Mr. Rivers is right? really, he's yeah, really he's good. Really good How um, oh, do you know
0: like Sean Penn as a person?
1: I mean, he's, I he know. Tied what? up and beat the shit out of Madonna. Oh, that's true. You're right. Uh, Apologies. <laughs> Bill Murray's really good in loss of translation, too. Yeah, yeah, I would take out, I'm, again, I really do like Cold Matt and I do like Jude Law, but I would take him out for Robert as well.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So then there you go. So then, I mean, what are you going to do? We talk about the asshole all the time. There's not really a, it's not really a good reference point in terms of performances. Oh, I
1: get that. And, and, may, and maybe you don't really whatsoever. appreciate his performance until you see it again. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, it's the thing. A lot yeah. of the times if a good movie comes out in the summer, it's forgotten about by Oscar time. Because I think all every every member of the Academy is inundated with a thousand movies that have come out within this five-week stretch. Well, you can't remember the summer a, movies. Ever since 1998,
0: ever since Shakespeare and Love beat uh, Private Save Ryan. Private Ryan, which is a joke. It shouldn't yep. have... Uh, it's a good movie. It's it's not better than Saving. Pre- it's it's not an Oscar movie. I'm no. so, I'm sorry, but it's not. You want to give it writing? Fine, but not picture. The fact that you, I'm going to go off my soapbox. But anyway, <laughs> um, ever since they started doing the campaigning, ever since Weinstein Company or Miramax or Weinstein started doing like, you know, pushing out, hey, watch this movie, sending out the stuff, the promotions, all posters, the, all yeah. that nonsense. Everything that started, it's just really tossed everything. It's it's ridiculous. It's the flavor of the month kind of nonsense right. and it's created this whole cycle of just hype and you know promotion and just you know you have people that just you have people that make blurbs up about movies just so they can get on the posters and don't tell me they don't do it because they absolutely do and now <laughs> and now it's turned into people who have who are on twitter i'm talking about pr- people that work within the business in ter- terms of certain websites and and you know blogs and and you know publications you know they they purposely the when they what they put on twitter and what they put online and what they put in there is purposely to get noticed by the people that are making the movie to become part of the story and and i'm sorry but like that's not how that's really difficult to judge uh performances and stuff like that in movies it, in in earnest it's just difficult. Right. Well, listen I, i'm not here i'm not telling you to change it whatever it is what it is but like something like this a performance like robert Duvall gives in open range and even kevin Costner gives an open range kind of gets it, it it's one of probably 20 performances that year that gets lost in that shuffle. And unfortunately, it just, you know, it is what it is. But you, but when you go back and watch this movie and and you sit here and you, if you're not coming away going, how are these, how none of these
1: guys get nominated? It's, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a head scratcher. So, so I, like I said, I think yeah. if it was in November when people were maybe paying more attention,
0: I don't, I see, see the August month of summer is, Probably set aside for smart action, kind of like adult drama. I don't know. I mean, Harrison Maybe. Ford made a living in August
1: for like six, seven years in the 90s. But I, I don't know if that's so much because August is a good place for his movies or just because he's Harrison Ford and you can drop that shit in March. Uh, and he, well, he still owned, do well. No, see, because he owned August for owned a while, anything. just like Will Smith
0: owned Fourth of July for like three years when he did I mean, uh, Independence years, yeah. Day, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, like you know, you. Yeah. he like that's just a certain dates, certain guys play well or certain actors play better. I, I I don't know. It's just I don't think I don't necessarily. I think you could make a case for it being in the fall. I think it's a fall movie. That's fine. Or a, or a you know a December movie. Uh, the movie next week we're talking about, I believe, is a, is definitely a holiday film. Absolutely, I'm okay with this being. In August. I mean, I, I don't know, but I understand what you're saying. I, mean, I don't I August, don't not
1: dump I'm, this in the no no no, no I'm no. only saying that for awards recognition. Right? I got you. But August is fine. It it's not gonna get lost in Listen, June, July or August. There
0: are some movies or, that or we'll cover that were like this is the perfect day. This is when it should have come out. You know, like that's fine. Right. I'm saying with open range I could a couple of dates I could probably work with this being for sure. Yeah. Days. No, don't dump this in February, like something like that. No, this is this is I could say from August to the end of the year, anytime in between
1: is fine with me. You don't think this could be a good Valentine's Day weekend no, movie? No. I don't think it would do well. hype up the Sioux stuff and have the guys go, "Yo, no. come on baby, we're going to see this western." No. But I think I, honestly, <laughs> I think the val-
0: I think the winter months are are uh, for for Valentine's are probably for horror movies now. And for well, this is now though, for right. horror movies and for you know, like those teenage, the only kid, uh, the teenage movies, PG-13 movies, you know, movies that are going to attract a younger crowd. Because they're the ones bringing their dates to the movie theater. Pretty much. <laughs> the only ones that, I mean, older people don't want to go out because it's too cold. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's. I got you. listen, we're speaking from, you know, experience here. Yes. All right. So, yeah, I mean, go, go, if you haven't watched Open Range, please do. It's it's really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's it. That's a final thought. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, uh, Butler, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com, ForgottenEntertainment.com, because we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family, or you can find us on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema or Forgotten Cinema Pod, depending on where you are. We post every weekday. We post fun commercials every Thursday, and also make sure to check us out wherever you get your podcast. right now. You're listening to it right now, so you found us. So why don't you go ahead hey and there. rate- Review and subscribe. Tell everybody.
0: Tell one person. Tell one person about that, and then they tell us. one person, and then they tell one person, and then they tell one it's person. It's like that Wainwright logic. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Which is the Calgary commercial. Anyways, so next week we are going to return for uh, our third episode of Forgotten Summer. We are going to be talking about. We're actually going a year back. We're going two thousand two. We're going to talk about Road to Perdition. Oh yeah. yeah. this yes, that was a summer film. And we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> and that's next week. So uh so until then, I am Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema, Forgotten Summer. Oh yeah. No, no, Feel no, the no, heat. no, don't add, no, 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 <laughs> no, you don't add stupid stuff like that. God, you make you God. <laughs> I got no problem with killing. Never have. <laughs> <laughs>